from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Cha. When school staff returned to campuses last August, they were met with student faces both familiar and new. But there was also a new law waiting for them, a Missouri ban on certain books, and risk of fines or up to a year in jail for each book students were provided containing, quote, explicit sexual material. That is, under the law, anyone officially associated with a school could be charged with a misdemeanor for assigning the wrong kind of book for a class project or even having the wrong sort of material on their shelves. Quote, providing explicit sexual material to a student might sound clear in theory, but in practice, it's not, and it's resulted in mass removals of hundreds of books and graphic novels, many of them works written by and about members of the LGBTQ community as well as people of color. So last week, the American Civil Liberties Union of Missouri filed a lawsuit challenging that law. Here to talk about that suit and why this law led to widespread book bans, we welcome Gillian Wilcox, Deputy Director for Litigation at the ACLU of Missouri. Gillian, welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, this, la- this law bans school officials from, quote, providing explicit sexual material to a student. Tell us why the ACLU is arguing that that is unconstitutional. It is our position and uh, that of our clients that this law is both unconstitutionally vague and overbroad in that it applies to a wide array of people, including non-staff at schools, but especially to the staff at schools, librarians and other school professionals who have spent their life's work choosing the books that are appropriate for students. And now with this law, there is uncertainty in schools, which has been evidenced by the hundreds of books that have been removed, including titles that we believe everyone would agree would not fall into the category of what would be referred to as obscenity, which Mm -hmm. has always been illegal. And do you have any examples of some of the books that have been removed? Uh, We do. Uh, In fact, a few are the Children's Bible, uh, books of ancient Greek mythology, books of human anatomy, and books including artwork from Rembrandt, Renoir, Da Vinci, and Michelangelo, as well as books um, of Shakespeare. Now, in terms of what you said about obscenity, isn't providing obscene material like pornography to a child already a crime? And, and what does this law add that isn't already illegal? Uh, that is precisely on point. It is already a crime. It is already illegal. We don't think this law adds anything. And in fact, what the law adds is confusion and uncertainty and has caused incredible self-censorship among school professionals. Mm -hmm. And what is, quote, explicit sexual material under this law? I mean, you've said that there is this confusion. What part of the definition, if any, is clear and what is definitely not? Uh, We don't think the definition is clear. It, It includes an array of Uh, descriptions of what would be a a pictorial, three-dimensional, visual depiction, including a photograph, film, video, picture. Um, It has resulted in 
hundreds of graphic novels being removed. It includes an exception for works of art when taken as a whole that have serious artistic significance, which is a, a common exception um, that you can find in the law. But what we've seen is that that exception is either not being applied where it should be, or it is not being understood. And the, the effect of this is simply that books are being removed that should not be. Mm-hmm. Now, this law has been especially concerning for school libraries and with criminal penalties now hanging over them. Schools have removed hundreds of books across the state. Now, to talk about that, we welcome Tom Bober. Tom is the library curriculum coordinator for the school district of Clayton. He's also a school librarian at the Ralph M. Captain Elementary School in Clayton and also is the first vice president of Missouri Association of School Librarians, which the ACLU is representing in this lawsuit. Tom, thanks for braving the rain to be with us today. Thanks for having me, Elaine. Now, I understand you've worked directly with Clayton School District's attorneys to identify book titles in your libraries that could violate the new law. Who initiated that effort, Tom? The first that I had heard about SB 775 was at a professional development event from the Missouri Association of School Librarians in the late summer. And so immediately I reached out to my school administration and we started to work together to try to understand how the law was going to impact uh, what types of materials were going to be available to our students. Mm -hmm. And at that late August meeting, what what was the mood around this legislation? There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of fear around what this meant and what the implications were, not only for the criminal implications that you talked about, but the time that would go into reviewing the materials that we had in our libraries. And I know just in our libraries in our district, I've spent dozens and dozens of hours not only reviewing materials, but talking with administration and district lawyers to try to look at the materials, but also, as Gillian referenced, come to an understanding of, to the best of our ability, what did this law actually mean? What did this actually look like on the page and in practice? Mm -hmm. So as you're working through that, I mean, you were talking with the district's attorneys, I mean, what did that look like? How did you go about um, choosing the the books that you would review? Like, for example, did you have some sort of a list to get started? Like, what we, what we did was, in addition to that, we reached out to other districts and saw what were they doing and what books were bubbling up for them. So those became kind of key talking points for us. Those were books we were going to look carefully at, and we were going to anchor our discussion around. So one of those books was a book called Flamer. That book has been pulled off of many shelves in districts across the state. Uh, But we determined based off of our understanding of SB 775 that it did not, it was not in violation of that law. And so it remained on our shelves, but it was kind of this anchor talking point that helped us to try to formulate that understanding of what was in violation of the law and what was not. And you've talked about just reflects, I think, what we've heard so far about the ambiguity. What what you all may deem as acceptable could be deemed totally unacceptable elsewhere. Now, the three books that you did end up removing were Home After Dark, 
uh, by David Small, Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe, and The Handmaid's Tale, the graphic novel. And all three of these were graphic novels. When you pulled these from the shelves, how did parents react? And how did they let you know what they were thinking and feeling? When parents and and the community at large found out about what books were pulled off of the shelf, uh, the great majority of feedback that I received, that that administration received in our district, was that they were upset that books were being pulled from our shelves. But what we tried to do was to inform the community of really the balance that we were trying to strike because this wasn't a situation where the where the district could simply say, well, we'll take whatever consequences there are from the state. This is a situation where our staff could be criminally charged. Mm-hmm. And that was really uh, something that we had at the forefront of our mind as we were making these decisions. And, mm-hmm. and but it, it's hard to be able to, it's hard to have that discussion with, a, with community members and try to express that you're taking books off of shelves that you previously put on a shelf knowing that it had an audience, that it had a purpose to be on that shelf, but now because of this law, we had to take it off. Mm-hmm. Now, someone listening might be thinking, okay, these titles are removed from the school library. Why does that matter? I mean, can't they get these books elsewhere? And particularly sort of given what what the Clayton community is like, they could go out and, and buy these books, couldn't they? I, I don't want to give a misnomer about the Clayton community. We have students who rely on our school libraries for their literature, uh, just as we have students that rely on our public libraries for their literature. So that that's one point to be made. I, I think the other point to be made is that we want to have a collection in our libraries and our classroom libraries that represent our students Mm -hmm. and that give them an opportunity to explore the world around them and explore ideas and um, cultures and and the general world that sits outside of what they know. Mm -hmm. So we wanna give them that full experience and when we start to restrict what we put onto shelves, when we start to take books off of shelves that are meant for that age of reader, um, that's something that we're, in my mind, we're doing a disservice to our students. And how did the students themselves react to to learning what had been removed? I think that there was a level of disappointment in the students, but I think also an understanding of why it was done. Our school librarian at the high school has a great relationship with the high school student body. And so they know why that's happening, but they're not happy about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a very quick break here, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation about a legal challenge to Missouri's ban on, quote, explicit sexual material in schools. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Now back to our conversation with Tom Bober, Library Curriculum Coordinator for the School District of Clayton and a school librarian at the Ralph M. Captain Elementary School and first vice president 
of Missouri Association of School Librarians, and Gillian Wilcox, Deputy Director for Litigation at the ACLU of Missouri. Before the break, uh, Tom, you were speaking to responses to books being pulled from your libraries. Gillian, I want to bring you back into this. We've just heard from Tom, who works for the Clayton District, but Clayton is just one place, and it doesn't reflect what most of Missouri is like. What are you hearing from library professionals in districts where many parents have no issue with the law and might even be enthusiastic about it? I think that if there are circumstances where parents may think that they're enthusiastic about this law, I fear that they may not understand its reach and what it is, the fear it is causing to school professionals. Um, there are 115 prosecuting attorneys in the state of Missouri for the hundreds of public school districts. And it simply just cannot stand that there is a law that is this misunderstood and misapplied and having these hundreds of books be removed and librarians threatened with prosecution because these parents, at, there could easily be a time that a book is removed that they do not agree with its removal. So what recourse is there given what the existing law is now, Gillian, for, um, for school librarians or staff um, for parents who don't want to see things removed from their children's school libraries. Yeah, and I, I do think, and Tom mentioned this, I think it's important to always remember that when we send our children to public schools or private schools, which are also implicated in this law, we are entrusting that school system and those librarians who are trained professionals to choose the books that are appropriate for the library. A, a school is a marketplace of ideas. Um, it, it is a place where children need to be exposed to diverse ideas and diverse people and people who don't think just the way you do. And I think our lawsuit is the recourse, and we hopefully will get answers from a court about how the law is to be applied. I'd like to hear from you, uh, those who are listening and, and engaging in this conversation. Do you have a question about books being banned from school libraries or about the ACLU's lawsuit, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK, or you can send us a tweet at STL on air. Now, Gillian, do we know if any school librarian has been prosecuted under this law? We are not aware of any ongoing prosecutions, but we are aware that there are law enforcement officials and prosecutors who are ready to enforce the law. Mm -hmm. And back in September, St. Louis Public Radio's education reporter, Kate Grumke, did speak with a librarian in Wentzville. Um, the librarian had been visited by a police officer following up on complaints from parents about the library's books. The librarian said that it was, quote, scary and surreal to have a police officer walk into her library because someone accused her of giving pornography to kids. Is this kind of police attention something that you worry about from sort of the, the legal standpoint, Gillian? Of course. 
And one of our challenges is precisely directed toward this kind of law enforcement action because our position is that a librarian, anyone affiliated with the school, should not have to speculate about what the law means. They're not given fair notice. And what this does is, is it invites arbitrary and discriminatory enforcement of any particular law enforcement officer or prosecutor. Tom, how about you? Have you heard anything from fellow librarians uh, you know, who are part of the, the library association that you are vice president for? Um, what is the conversation that's happening right now, particularly around these anxieties? We have the the organization has surveyed our, our members and have received hundreds of responses. And you're absolutely right. Gillian's absolutely right that this fear that we talk about uh, is something that is really become part of librarians' lives. It, it's something that they fear for the books that are already on them sh- their shelves, but it's also something that they have fears about when they talk about looking at new books and trying to decide if that's something that would be appropriate to be on their shelves. They can't review those books in the same way as books that they already have. The um, reviews, the professional reviews and, and the like won't tell them if this particular title is in violation of a Missouri law. Mm-hmm. And so what we're really concerned about, too, is that chilling effect of the censorship that, that happens, the self-censorship that happens from our librarians because of that fear and anxiety that they're feeling about uh, the law. Now, I want to make sure that we address some part of your title and what you do. Your title is Library Curriculum Coordinator. Tom, what does that mean in this context uh, when it comes to deciding what books are and are not, quote, explicitly sexual material? When it comes to just an everyday standing, our librarians who are trained professionals in the field and who have district guidelines around their collection policies are the ones who are trusted to make those decisions about what books to purchase and what book titles to make available to our students. When it comes to SB 775, the role that I played and continue to play is an advisor with librarians when they have questions around uh, certain titles or have had questions around certain titles to be an advisor to them and also to be an in-between to communicate with them, between them and district administration and district lawyers and make sure that I'm advocating for the professionals and the students when we have sometimes other things that are being uh, pushed around being in in compliance, not only with the law, but not even, we had lawyers that were concerned about not even being charged, not necessarily that we would be convicted, but Mm -hmm. concerned that we would be charged in being in violation of the law. So that was really coming into conflict with the work that librarians do about making information and and good literature available to students across the board. Mm -hmm. We have a call from John in Ferguson. John, you're on the air. Uh, Yes. Um, I'm currently serving on a library board of trustees, and we've been having some heated discussion over this. Part of it is just like the foolishness and the wasted effort. There's so many other things that the school school district needs to do something about that you know they're not doing it about and why are they wasting their time with this it's like trying to attack intellectual curiosity so what john has just mentioned about intellectual curiosity the effective use of time what do you think about that tom 
I mentioned earlier that I spent dozens of hours at the beginning of this year working to make sure we were in compliance with this law. But if we would total up the, the staff that and the number of hours we worked in total, it, it it's a huge number. And the caller's right in the sense that there were missed opportunities to connect and support students in, in ways that we weren't able to do at the beginning of the year because we had to put this attention on making sure we were in compliance with this law. And Gillian, is this use of time something that entered at all into consideration as you were putting this lawsuit together? Yes, not only for the the school uh, professionals in their professional capacity, but also the organizations that we represent in their organizational capacities have had to spend a lot of time uh, responding to questions about the law, talking to their members about how it applies, that they should have been spending doing other things. And to the caller's point, I think, and, and we've said this, but but as parents and as community members, we trust our school professionals and the librarians to choose the books that go on the shelves. And now we're spending all this time taking that away from them, which we should not be doing. We're talking with Gillian Wilcox, Deputy Director for Litigation at the ACLU of Missouri, and school librarian Tom Bober about their lawsuit challenging a new Missouri law that threatens librarians and teachers with criminal charges for the kinds of books on their shelves. Now, this lawsuit has been filed by the ACLU of Missouri and two other organizations, the Missouri Association of School Librarians and the Missouri Library Association. What, if anything, does that coalition of school and non-school library professionals say about the stakes of this ban and the importance of the challenge to it? Um, Gillian. I think it just shows the number of people who are affected by the law. And, And yes, we represent two groups who arguably represent the biggest percentage of those who are affected, the library professionals who choose these books and are now being told that they perhaps have chosen books that the politicians have decided should not be on the shelves, but they have hundreds of members. Um, There are hundreds of schools. And the law does not just limit itself to library professionals, but to anyone. And on top of that, anyone affiliated with the school, and on top of that, it doesn't limit itself to school hours. So if you're someone affiliated with the school, but also a parent, could this law apply to you in your own home? It, by its very nature, it appears that it could. Mm-hmm. And there's also a rule change that's pending in the Missouri legislature at this point. If that passes, as you've said, Gillian, there would be similar restrictions that apply to public libraries. From the point of view of a school librarian who is also living in a community, right, Tom, what risks are on the horizon for public libraries if this kind of law is extended? I think it's really some of the same risks that we're seeing play out in our school libraries. And and as a, a community member who knows the value that, that public libraries offer on a daily basis to patrons, uh, it's something that when we start to talk about funding of those institutions, it's something that becomes very concerning to me as a community member. You've spent so much time <laughs> reviewing books and grappling with this law. 
Is this what you signed up for when you became a, a school, like a library professional? I mean, what is it that keeps you going? What keeps me going on a daily basis is when students come in excited to read a book or they've just read a book and they want to talk to you about it. It's that connection to these learners through the literature that we offer that I think is so important and being able to offer a comprehensive collection of literature mm -hmm. as much as possible is something that we strive for, school librarians strive for across the state. And that's what I think keeps a lot of us going. And Gillian, what are the next steps for this lawsuit? What, what can we expect and what's the timeline? Uh, so it was just filed. Uh, we have, as required, um, we actually had to provide notice to the, to the Missouri Attorney General's office, uh, as well as the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the present pro President Pro Tem of the Senate. Um, there are statutes that require that. So I think next steps are that we're going to see involvement um, not only from the prosecutors who are, are named defendants because they are charged with enforcing the law, but from the state of Missouri uh, in a bigger context. And we will start um, in the discovery process. Mm -hmm. And the last question here, there are actually two requests with this lawsuit. One is finding the law unconstitutional and unenforceable. And then the other is, quote, defining and clarifying how and when the ban applies to eliminate the ongoing confusion and the threat of arbitrary enforcement. Which of these uh, is the outcome that you're hoping for and which do you think might be more likely? It's always hard to predict um, how a court will react, but are the second claim that you've talked about about clarifying the law is an alternative count we would prefer to see the law declared unconstitutional and removed gillian wilcox is the deputy director for litigation at the aclu of missouri and tom bober is library curriculum coordinator for the school district of clayton as well as the first vice president of missouri association of school librarians thank you both for joining us today thank you Elaine. thank you so much coming up 28 days of black owned st louis why it matters past Black History Month. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, 
committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.